0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining. JJ Walsh here. Uh, These are some thoughts that I'm putting down to paper. Can we still say to paper when you're writing it online? Anyway, putting my thoughts down from my Fukushima trip, uh, incredible three days that I spent with Asby Brown, expert on radiation monitoring in the Fukushima area over the last 12 years and so much about community and entrepreneurship. And the tour was called Hope Hope Hamadori, which is along the coast of Fukushima. So I hope you enjoy it. This is an article I wrote for Medium, and there will be more insights to come. Still so much to unpack as I go through my photos and my notes. So thanks for joining, and I hope you enjoy it. I would love to hear... Any comments and questions uh, that you have? I'm sure you have your own point of view on the Fukushima topic, and uh, please get in touch. Let's have a discussion about it online. Take care. Rebranding Fukushima 2023 is the 12th anniversary of the 311 2011 earthquake, tsunami, nuclear power meltdown. Tohoku disaster, and the first time I had ever visited Fukushima. I had actually been invited to join previous monitor tour consulting trips, but really wanted to go this time because there was a clear focus on sustainable tourism, an aim for a balance between the needs of people, planet, and profits. This tour highlighted some of the most devastated areas along the coastline around the crippled Daiichi nuclear power station. But the real draw was the guide, Asby Brown. Asby is the lead researcher of safecast.org and has 12 years of insights on radiation, community development, and government policy to share alongside innovation and entrepreneurship. The aim of this tour was to take in an honest view of the past, present, future issues of this Hamadori coastal region. So it was called the Hope Hamadori Tour. I've interviewed Asby Brown on my talk show, Seek Sustainable Japan, many times over the last two years about architecture and design, the sustainable lifestyle of the Edo era, and his passion for Minka old home renovation projects, in addition to talking about his work in Fukushima with Safecast.org. Asby has been to Fukushima over 40 times since 2011 in his radiation monitoring work with SafeCast, a nonprofit organization that launched after Fukushima's disaster to put radiation monitoring tools and data in the hands of locals. The data they collect is open source, shared online with people around Japan and the world, There was a lack of clear information about radiation levels after the disaster, which made it impossible to make decisions about what to do, where to go, and what was safe to eat and drink. As we traveled around the area, we were able to use the online open source SafeCast radiation map, which was a great way to see what was happening in the area in real time. Local monitoring, like this SafeCast system, provided local people with more peace of mind as they could correlate the readings they got with the official data they saw on TV and in official reports. Asby Brown, as our guide, did not shy away from the controversial issues and ongoing problems as we were presented with a past, present, and future view of Fukushima. It made me realize how important good guides are to the future success of less typical tourism destinations, such as Fukushima. Done right, however, I'm certain there is potential for deeply meaningful and sustainable tourism here that keeps the needs of locals and visitors and people, planet, and profits in balance. The content on our three-day tour was full of diverse and complex narratives, as we traveled by bus along the 100-kilometer segment of its Hamadori coastline, from Iwaki to Soma. While the problems inside the crippled Daiichi nuclear plant in Fukushima are far from over, no new release of radiation is being emitted into the atmosphere, only collected in wastewater. So the existing radiation in the ground, in the area, is in the ground. It's in the water, it's in the contaminated soil bags, and contaminated water tanks. It was incredible to visit Ono Town, which is only five kilometers from the crippled Daiichi nuclear reactor. As a once thriving community, it has all but been erased. It was a no-go zone for many years, Then the collection of contaminated soil and the clearing of all the buildings has created empty lots where the town used to be. This decontamination strategy has clearly been successful on paper as it has significantly reduced radiation levels that used to be high, but looking around at the empty lots really raises questions of whether people will want to come back and restart their lives and businesses here. Contaminated Water and Soil Crisis. There has been a lot of progress in recovery, but the empty lots and imminent plans to release contaminated water this year, as well as move contaminated soil across Japan to be used in road construction projects, makes it clear the crisis is far from over. Perhaps storing the contaminated soil and water in areas people are unlikely to come back to makes the most sense, but there is also resentment there when the brunt of the ongoing crisis is carried out entirely by the people of Fukushima. The contaminated water release will most strongly affect local fisher people who have managed to uh, to get new boats and to keep going, but they really feel sure they will have to find new careers and move away if the water is released as planned. We had a chance to meet a lot of the fisher people on the first evening and uh, have a barbecue with them and hear their stories and uh, you feel very empathetic uh, to their plight and to all of the stigma that they put up with despite all of their rigorous testing to make sure that the fish they catch is safe There's still a very deep, entrenched stigma against people buying their products. Renewables rebrand. During our early March visit, we saw ume plum blossoms and diverse old-growth forests alongside new coastal tree-lined tsunami buffer zones and solar and wind renewable energy projects. Being able to see the beauty of local nature in tandem with wholehearted efforts to protect the environment is so exciting. That was one of my favorite parts of the trip. According to the Japan Times, Fukushima supplies almost half, 47% of its own energy from clean renewable energy with an eye on carbon neutrality by 2030, especially impressive when compared to Japan's national average of renewable energy production at only 20.3% in 2022. One of the lesser known facts that we were reminded of on this tour is that the people in Fukushima never benefited from the generation of nuclear power in its prefecture. As the power was sent by TEPCO, the organization, the electric company that ran the nuclear power stations, all the power was sent to Tokyo. Despite this, it is now the people and the businesses in Fukushima that suffer the negative effects of the nuclear power disaster. So this shift away from nuclear power to renewable energy for use by local people has been very welcome as a way to do it right this time. Fukushima's new brand, The Fukushima area is also aiming to establish innovative solar recycling and disposal facilities, according to the Japan Times article. As we near 2030, many home and corporate solar panel installations will be past the estimated 30 to 40 year lifespan. it would be fantastic to see Fukushima become the go-to destination for end-of-life solar panels to be repurposed or deconstructed and reused for its components. There is a lot of potential for future employment, economic benefit, environmental support, and expertise building with future tech and clean tech projects like this. Speaking of expertise, Fukushima locals have already been able to pass on some of their knowledge to people in the Ukraine. As they have been engaged with nuclear radiation monitoring and food testing over the years, when Russia attacked Ukraine's nuclear power stations, calls went out for monitoring equipment and know-how, and Fukushima locals have been thrilled to help others. Odaka Community Activism and Startups One of the standout destinations on the tour was the town of Odaka, where there were strong community networks, which has built a foundation of trust that has attracted young entrepreneurs to set up exciting new businesses the community hub that has been growing out of one of the networking efforts of power couple Tomoko and Takenori Kobayashi, who run the Futabaya ryokan, where we stayed, and an independently run food testing facility, where we visited. In terms of food testing, these community facilities support local gardeners and forest foragers who are keen to make sure their food is safe. All of the official uh, government-run big agriculture is tested by the government, but these are more independent labs for smaller farmers or home gardeners or forest foragers for the sansai, wild foods. It was surprising to hear that there is decreasing demand from locals for testing as they become familiar with consistently lower levels over time but it was reassuring to hear that despite less use, these testing facilities have secured funds to keep going for another 10 years. This will be an important asset to new residents researchers and for use in education, as well as for tours like ours. Also in the Odaka area, Tomoyuki Wada is another key entrepreneur working hard to help launch 100 new businesses in the town in efforts of breathing new life into the area. Wada-san has already helped launch 25 new businesses, from glassmaking artisans to horseback guiding and a shoemaker. Wada's education, communication, innovation, and business support hub is called Pioneer Village. One of the pioneer village startups we visited is the craft sake brewery Hakoba, launched by entrepreneur Taisuke Sato, who came from Saitama to start this innovative business that utilizes more rice grains than most sake and finds ways to utilize other waste in the brewing process. The stylish cafe brewery has also been created out of a remodeled old minka Japanese house. The sake was a refreshing combination of hops with sake to create a very light and satisfying flavor. It was here that Asby also showed me how all the rice bags which were harvested in Fukushima had a QR code stamped on them for you to check the exact radiation readings of the grains on an app. This is another great example of how transparency of information is being utilized in Fukushima. On an early morning walk around the town, I came across stunning shrines and temples in the town that miraculously survived the earthquake. In contrast, my heart sank as I walked past rows of empty lots between the houses, waiting perhaps in vain for new buildings Some of the empty plots have thankfully been reused as community herb gardens and meeting spots, but this is a view that visitors should be prepared to see. Don't erase the past. Fukushima Prefecture covers over 13.8 thousand square kilometers, 5,000 square miles, and although many have moved away, is still home to 1.8 million people. The area affected by radiation covers just a fraction of the prefecture, but the stigma affects anyone who says they are from Fukushima. As a long-time resident of Hiroshima, I can more clearly understand the difficulty in overcoming a dark, negative brand. It's likely that Fukushima has a long road ahead to be associated with anything positive. But, as Hiroshima is a great example of it's not impossible, and that was the purpose of this media tour to start building a new brand in Fukushima of transparency, community, and entrepreneurship. I understand more about the debate surrounding whether or not to preserve the A-bomb dome in Hiroshima now as I toured Fukushima and saw how so much of it is being erased. On the one hand, of course it should be preserved so future residents and visitors can experience the deep impact of these powerful places to connect not only with what happened, but also to inform their own lives. Memorials like the incredible Ukedo Elementary School share a type of power to visitors that can never be explained in photos or video alone. I sympathize with many people who may not want to be reminded of such a painful past and who would rather see it all erased. But I hope that some memorials, like Ukedo Elementary, are given national treasure or UNESCO World Heritage status, so that they can be highlighted as valuable to humanity and preserved for future generations. One of the last stops on the tour was to see the wall murals of Futaba, colorful and vivid graffiti to brighten up another empty town. This was a great art project to put local faces on their abandoned buildings, illustrating the common issues of erasure as we saw everywhere we went in Fukushima. The question is still up in the air of whether or not people will choose to return, rebuild, and welcome future visitors. My favorite mural was the one above, the happy, confident, determined, and welcoming smiles of the human power wall. I was inspired by this Hope Hamadori tour in Fukushima, and my hope is to return to Fukushima again and again to see the more innovation, progress, and human power that Asby Brown has been able to witness over the last 12 years. What do you think? Do you think you could find hope in Fukushima? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, Please share them below or reach out to me on social media. Let's talk about it. I think there's a lot of ideas worth talking about. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.